0: Welcome to the Royal Caribbean Blog Podcast, a weekly look into the world of Royal Caribbean cruising. I'm your host, Matt Hochberg, and this is episode number 361. Should you take your kids out of school to go on a cruise vacation? The answer to that question is sure to get a lot of people going with some very strong opinions. To help start out that answer, an educator at many levels joins the podcast this week to share practical advice and things to consider before making this decision for you and your kids. Here we go. Family cruising is a really, really popular thing. Heck, I love taking my kids on cruises, and so many families choose to take a Royal Caribbean cruise for their family vacations. And this week, we're going to be talking about a topic that is, any parent out there is going to have an opinion on this. One way or another, right or wrong, we're going to have opinions on this, and I love it. We're talking about, of course, taking your kids out of school for vacation in general, and as it relates to cruising. But uh, I love this because today's guest sent me a message about how I'm Wrong, and I love that. It's awesome. So joining me on today's episode is Lisa Van Gamert. Lisa, welcome to the podcast.
1: Thank you so much for having me. I've been looking forward to talking with you about this and hopefully give parents some things to think about if they're considering this option for their families.
0: Absolutely, and I'll tell you that this is something that Lisa and I briefly talked about this before we started recording that. So Lisa, wait a minute, we gotta stop right now because I, I, we need to save this for the show, it's too good. But my thoughts on, you know, taking kids out of school for any vacation has changed. You know, when I was a kid versus before we had kids versus now when we have kids, and seeing what the system is, it's an interesting debate. Um, And Lisa, let's start with you because, of course, how did this idea come up? Because this was your suggestion for a podcast topic.
1: Well, I'm an educator and I am an avid listener of the podcast, of course. And when I had heard letters from listeners writing in and saying, like, oh, should we do this? Should we not? I'd heard you talk about it. And I almost always disagreed with the people because I felt like there was a, a wrong thinking that was going on, wrong logic. And the last time I was listening, I was walking my dog. I can still remember it. And I was listening to the letter that you were reading. So it wasn't your thoughts. It was that of a listener. And I had to stop walking and like bend over and lean against a pole because I was hyperventilating because I disagreed so strongly. (laughs) My neighbors all think I was like had a problem because I was talking to myself the whole rest of the walk, arguing the point. And I finally decided, you know what? I'm just gonna tell him (laughs) that we need to do a whole episode about this. And I and I think that it's important because you mentioned that your thoughts have changed since you've had children. And I think that one of the things that's key to understand is that school and the way that schools handle school attendance is very different from how it was when most of us were growing up. And so yes. I think a lot of us just don't understand all that's going into this.
0: Absolutely. That, that's a really good point because that's something that came to light for me after having kids, because as a kid, as, when I was a kid, and, you know, uh, when I went to school, the, you know, my parents took me out of school all the time. I would say all the time, but we generally took, you know, I would say at least a week every semester, if not maybe two, you know, maybe in the spring semester you get an extra because, you know, with the holidays. But you, my parents always approached it like, you know, whether it was the winter break or uh, April break or fe- with we we you know, traditional December, February, April breaks. And they would take that as the starting point, right? So you get the week off, but you know, maybe tack on a couple days here, a couple days there. Um, so it wasn't unreasonable that we would get pulled out quite a lot, especially earlier on, I would say before even somewhat into middle school. I, remember, I distinctly remember reading Johnny Tremaine at our cabin in Vermont. <laughs> and I hated that book, but I remember I had to read it because because we were missing school as a result of it. And, uh, but I, that, that, that was my background, Lisa, and I'm sure that you had a, a similar uh, upbringing as well versus what you're seeing in the system today.
1: Absolutely. And, and a lot of it has to do with the way that instruction is done in classrooms now versus the way it was done before. And then some of it has to do like so many things with money. And some of it also has to do with the way that the school schedule is set up. So I do want to say that I do believe that there are lots and lots of benefits For children to cruising. I love cruising, obviously. (laughs) Um, I absolutely love cruising. And I definitely think that there are many experiences that kids can have on cruises that they couldn't have really anywhere else. The the point of difference that I would have with many people who've written in about this is that it's not like they can only have those experiences on a cruise if they are also missing school, (laughs) right? You can have all of those wonderful experiences during normal vacations. It's not like you can only benefit from a cruise if you've been pulled out of school to do it. So I do have some thoughts um, the about how to decide whether it's a good idea to take the child out or not. Because as I mentioned, you cost the school money. Schools get money for the number of students who are there. That's why schools take attendance, because they get money based on how many kids were in that school that day. So even if your child isn't there and they're not getting any money for your child, they still had to pay the teacher salary. They still had to run the lights. They still had to have the air conditioning or heat going. All of the expenses of educating your child are still there because your child's registered in that school, whether your child's there or not. So you are actually costing the school money to be gone, like cold, hard cash. And I think it's important for us to keep that in mind and respect it, that we are having a deleterious effect on the school, and I'm not saying that that's a deal breaker, but you do need to recognize that that is the case. Another thing is, is that you could have an emergency where you actually must take your child out of school and you could waste some of that like goodwill by taking a child out. And I've seen this, so I've been a teacher and the assistant principal of a 4,000 student high school. And I have seen this happen where parents will take a child out for a vacation, I've dealt with a child being taken out for a cruise, and they go around and, you know, talk to the teachers, get the work and everything, and then there's been a family emergency that follows that, but mm. they've kind of burned the bridges now. Like, the teachers are burned out on it. So some of the thing I, things I think we need to consider are, what's the ROI, right? What's the return on investment of pulling a child out of school? So if there's a special occasion, like there's a wedding in the family that's going to take place on the cruise, or it's an anniversary for a grandparent. And of course, really, really good sales count here, of (laughs) course, right? But um, if there's work availability, so my youngest son is an army officer. So when he has children. His leave may not coincide with what school vacations are. So, some people who are in certain professions and may not be able to take off just whenever they want to, right? right. Um, there may, you also need to consider the school's policy because some schools have a policy that after a certain number of absences, there's a truancy issue. And in where I live, that can lead to a fine. Um, also, if your child is in high school, many high schools have final exam exemptions, meaning students with a certain high level of grade and good attendance are exempt from taking the final exam. Well, you could cost your child all of their final exam exemptions by taking them out on a cruise. So you wanna be careful about that. You also wanna try to avoid the weeks before testing, the weeks um, at the beginning of semesters, and right after holidays. Those are not good times. Don't do that. Good times, like if you're gonna pull a kid out of school, there are better times to do it. Those times would be right after major testing, which is usually in the spring. We get a spate of it in March usually, and then another in May. Right after that testing, go. Most of the teachers and students' brains are fried. If you're gone a couple days, that's the best time to go right before a holiday, like some school districts are not out that Monday and Tuesday before Thanksgiving. Uh, I can tell you from teaching elementary and high school, there's not a lot going on on those couple of days. So right before a holiday is okay, way better than right after a holiday. And I think some of these things are just, we don't necessarily know them, but if you know ahead of time, you know what, look at the testing schedule and see, oh, the big state assessment is that week. We shouldn't go the week before that. You also have to look at what's right for your child because some children are super conscientious. And the idea of being gone for a few days or as much as a week from school, knowing that they're missing can be distressing to them. And while the parents might like it, It may be difficult for the child who feels overly conscientious or just conscientious. Also, some kids don't handle schedule switcheroos as well. They need to have that normal schedule and they take a lot of time to get back into a schedule after they've they've been thrown off schedule. And so all of those things are factors that parents need to consider when they're deciding if and when. To take the child out of school for a cruise
0: absolutely i think those are excellent points you brought up uh, including also some of the things i didn't consider which of course military leave and people schedules there um and, and some of the considerations around the time of year you know i i'd also want to say that i think that we have to also recognize that there is a major difference between elementary age school children being taken out and upper school children being taken especially high school and even middle school in, in a lot of cases because of course the workload is significantly different among those grades and of course the um, the the amount of review, perhaps if you want to call it that, between the grades could vary. And something you also touched upon was the the child themselves, right? Some kids are just faster learners; they pick things up. They are willing. Also, they're just better. Um, I don't want to say better students, but they're willing to do extra work to make up for it more easily than other students. So I think it also maybe in a lot of cases boils down to the student themselves.
1: Absolutely, uh, I think that if you do make the decision that you're going to take a child out of school to go on a cruise, there are some specific things that you should do before you go on the cruise. So one of them is as soon as you know that that cruise is scheduled, as soon as you have YOLO booked it, (laughs) you need to let the teacher know, right? And if there is a reason, explain it. Say, my parents are celebrating their 50th wedding anniversary and our whole family is going on this vacation together to celebrate it. Acknowledge the extra work that it's going to cause the teacher. Acknowledge that up ahead of time, right? I apologize in advance, because I know how much extra work this causes for you. Understand that it's not just work, it's not just like sheets that they can give to you, it's also learning. And this I alluded to in the beginning, that when you and I were in school, a lot of the work we were doing was independent and individual. School, even as young as kinder and first grade now, is often done in collaborative groups. So teachers will set these groups up, and if a student is gone, it's going to impact maybe not only the student, but also the other kids who were in that group who your child was supposed to have a role, and that can have a social consequence as well. So the advent of group learning has made a real difference on how much impact it is on a student, and so some people will say, well, they can't be doing that much because My child only got like four pieces of paper to do for makeup work. I'm like, well, there's a big difference between what's being graded and what's being learned. And your child may be able to make up what was graded, but they may not be able to recreate what was being learned. And we have to be honest about that.
0: Absolutely. I think, at number one, if nothing else, if there's one message we get across in this episode, I hope that it is that people are, and I think most people do this, but is to definitely communicate with the teacher ahead of time. Give them a warning. Ask for work to be done during the vacation. That's something we always do is make sure what's the work we're going to miss. And you're right. It's not one-to-one that you're going to be able to recreate the entire academic process at sea. Far from it. But at the very least, I want to make sure that my kids are doing the work they're supposed to be doing uh, and giving the teacher heads up so they can prepare for it, both in class and, of course, at home. That That's a big one right there. And, and I'm glad we brought that up.
1: I think one thing we have to understand is that COVID has probably made a change in this as well. Now, with the advent of distance learning, a lot of schools, if you're taking a child out for something like that, may expect you to do the work, even if you're gone. They may expect you to have a child participate in instruction virtually even while you're on a cruise. And I think,
0: that,
1: yeah, I think that's going to be common now. Some of the I things that, oh.
0: Yeah, no, I just want to touch on that. That's a really interesting point because one of the things, you know, we, we got the tail end of it on on our end here with uh, this past uh, six to eight weeks of the year with that. And, you know, it, it's interesting how, you know, the whole learning from home and distance learning may actually, whether or not it benefits or, you know, taking kids out, I wouldn't necessarily look at it that way. But obviously, if if going forward, um, the learning process was a little more aimed towards you know Zoom calls and um, and uh, at online media, perhaps that might make it a slip midge easier. But it is a very easy slippery slope to go down as a parent to say, oh no, the kids will just you know go on a Zoom call and it, it covers it. It doesn't, and and that's the kind of an early lesson that we learned just being at home, let alone on a cruise ship. So it's interesting that um, that uh, you bring that up as as something to to consider going forward, especially.
1: I mean, it'll be a great excuse to buy that high quality surf and stream package. Um, (laughs) You can say, oh, it's not for me. My child (laughs) needs it, right? So some of the things to ask the teacher would be, obviously anything that can be done ahead. And what I mean by this is not just stuff that can be done during the cruise, but there may be stuff that can be done even before you leave. So um, one of the things that we could consider is, the teacher doesn't have to tell you, if the child's in chapter seven right now of their math textbook, odds are they're moving to chapter eight, right? So your child can try to kind of get ahead a little bit. Um, Some of us, we can figure some of that out ask if the teacher has any preferred sites for tutorial videos. Some teachers may prefer Khan Academy. Some teachers may have like SchoolTube or YouTube channels, or even the textbook may have video supplements available that the child can watch for if they have a question about what was on the work. right? So there may be sites that the teacher would recommend so that as your child is trying to do the work independently that they would otherwise have had a teacher for that they can go to. One of the things I would suggest is offering the teacher an in lieu of. Um, And what I mean by that is that sometimes as a teacher, it's very hard to give a student an equal assignment because we're doing something that I'm gonna take a grade on, but it's not something I can give you a sheet of paper and then you can turn into me. So what I will often do with students is give them an in lieu of that. So it'll go in the grade book as that assignment, but it wasn't really that assignment. It was something else. And as the parent taking the child out, we can offer it. Like, instead of you know some of the things that my child won't be able to do, how about if my child, instead of the writing assignment that they're going to do that my child won't be there for, could they write an assignment about like the engineering on the ship or about one of the places that we visit or some, something like that. And this can really work out if you take your kids on like that backstage tour (laughs) that they have of the ships. Um, And so when we are proactive about that, we really send a message to teachers that we understand the position that we're putting them in and trying to come up with work that our child can do. So if we're someone who can come and offer that and say, you know what, my child could do this, 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 or this, um, and the teacher has that to work with, they may decline it, but the attitude is worth a lot of bonus points.
0: I, and yeah, I agree hundred percent. I think that goes back to again something I talked about earlier, which is you know coming to the teacher ahead of time, not a surprise. Like you know uh, when the kids are leaving on Thursday, go, oh by the way, I'm not going to be here for the next six days. You know what I mean? Like uh, you know the more communication you have, the better. And in a lot of cases, we've had very understanding teachers who are like, absolutely, going to you know that, that sounds like a great trip to be able to do, and uh, certainly they're on board. But having that heads up and and having that. Being on the same side, I think, is the approach we're really talking about, Lisa, right?
1: Exactly. Seeing the teacher as a partner in what's best for this child at that time. And if the teacher acts like this is a really bad time, like that's going to be a real problem, we have to be understanding the fact that we don't necessarily know. Like if you're teaching a lab science and you, you know you can't set this lab up, and you know that questions about it are going to be on a very important test, it can be frustrating, right? So we just need to recognize that we're all, we're all on the same side. We're all on the side of making a great educational experience for our child. And I think one absolutely. of the things – oh, go ahead. Sorry.
0: No, nope, just going to say absolutely. <laughs> Keep going. I like it.
1: Well, I think there are some things that we need to do when we're on the cruise. So once we've made the decision to go and once we've talked with the teacher to try to work it out as best we can, then there are some best practices while we're on the cruise itself. One of them is to try to return the child to a more normal schedule before the end of the cruise if the child is going back to school the next day. So if we're coming back from a cruise on Sunday and we're going to send our kid off to school that Monday morning... We probably don't want to do, and I know this is going to be heresy for you, Matt, but we probably don't want to do the 830 dining with the kid. Because they're probably going to be in bed the next night at 830, right? So we want to make sure that we're not letting them sleep until 11 o'clock in the morning and then expecting them to try to go to bed at their normal bedtime when we're at home that night, right? So we need to try to return to that schedule a couple of days early. We can try to use slow times on cruises to keep learning fresh. When you're spending time on taxis, if you go to Cozumel and you have to take the ferry from hell, right, (laughs) or if you're on a bus, right, use those times, it's not, they're not good times for actual work like trying to balance paper and pencil on your lap, but every time you look over, and if your kid is at a time or opportunity where they want to play a game on a phone, that is, or other device, that's an opportunity where learning could have been going on, even if it's just discussion. And learning isn't a punishment. And so we can find ways to apply learning. Like if a child is learning, know, a child is doing math and is learning how to divide fractions, then looking at different numbers that you see on the ship and making up problems with that, looking at the menu and playing with the decimals, like opportunities to keep They're learning fresh and front of mind can be really beneficial because it can help them see that the things that they're learning in class occur in the real world and that their learning is not some separate and distinct activity from their real life.
0: Absolutely. I'm going to, I'm going to add one thing on that, Lisa, and maybe this was on your list also, but not cramming at the end. That was a mistake we have learned even at a young age is a mistake. Um, you know, the idea that it's, let's just use a seven night cruise as an example, night one. Well, it's the first night of the cruise. We can have fun. We have to worry about all that stuff. Right. Pretty soon it starts snowballing, and then we end up with a situation where, at the end of the cruise, or worse, we, the day we get home, the we got to make it all up, right? It's not, it, it's a really bad idea. It never works out well. What you've, I think, coming up with a schedule, something you talked about earlier, but you know, this is how we're going to break up the work. This is, we're going to take time out of vacation to sit there in the stateroom, wherever. Uh, And and do that work and make sure it gets done and then have the rest of the day to do whatever and and have fun. But I, I found it to be critically important to make sure we take care of it firsthand and not just keep deferring it because we've had days before we go back to school and it's just, you know, nobody's happy in the household.
1: It's true, and it's one of the things that you need to discuss ahead of time with teachers because a lot of times schools have rules about this. They have a schedule, like for every day you're absent, you get one day to make it up, but they also may have a rule that if you're absent for something other than illness or family emergency, that the work needs to be turned in on return. Most teachers are going to be pretty flexible about that unless you're returning when grades are due understand that teachers don't have any flexibility with that. When grades are due, grades are due. So if you're coming back and it's the end of a grading period, that teacher may not have the ability to give your child any grace about that whatsoever because they must have their grades in. So you're 100% right is to plan it out. But what you might find is that the child doesn't have to do it all during the cruise. They may be able to do some the week after, although we have to recognize that the week after the cruise that same like post-cruise depression, <laughs> it, it's a real thing for kids too. And, yep. and they don't have the power we do to go book another one, right? And so we have to recognize that if we've planned out that they're going to do a lot of makeup work that week while they're still trying to get back into a normal routine where they're still trying to get – all back into their real life and they're doing the the work that they're getting now again that they're back at school and we're going to make them do it, that can be really, really brutal.
0: Yeah, that, that's a really good point. They're not machines. It's it's easier said than done that, oh, they can just make up the work at the end. It, it, you know what I mean? When they get back and you know, another hour of homework, no big deal. It adds up. It's tough. And and like all human beings, when you're trying to get back into the grind, it's not so easy. So I think that's a really good point. And again, this goes back to something we talked about earlier, which is know your child. This is a really important thing. We can't quantify this. We can't, Lisa can't come up with the percentage. I can't come up with a, with a scale. It is knowing your child And how they respond. I mean, think about the last time your kid was sick, you know, and missed a day or two of school. How did they respond? Was it like, oh, no big deal, mom. I just kind of, you know, uh, they took it really easily. Or did it set them back for like two weeks in in terms of being able to quote unquote catch up? These are things that can definitely play into uh, your decision uh, in terms of, you know, what makes the most sense for taking your kids out of school and for how long.
1: You're exactly right. And one of the other things to consider is that if there are siblings One sibling may handle it very differently from another sibling, which can make it problematic because you've got three kids and two of them handle it great. But one of them, it's like DEFCON 1. And there's weeping, wailing and gnashing of teeth when you come back that whole week, making everyone's life, you know, a living you know what. And so we have to consider that are, are we really doing this for the good of the family? Like, is this really about the family or is it about us? And parents have to have to really consider that.
0: Yep, I, I think it's it's interesting because look, thinking about it, you know, for for us where I, we live in Florida, I'm pretty sure the policy for the ab, unexcused absences, which is what a cruise usually falls under, is something in the ballpark about five days for the semester, and that that's that's all unexcused absences, right? And yeah. um, that that's not a lot because you have to remember, okay, there could be some sick days. There's somebody's uh, family, you know, we're, we're going to visit family somewhere, um, you know, th- they add up very, very quickly. And this is a big difference as from when I was a kid to kids today and, and the system that's there. Um, so that that's a, you got to start doing the math in your mind and being able to make sure you're not cutting yourself short. You're not putting yourself against the wall. Something you talked about earlier, which was that, you know, you play in this great thing where it got everything squared away, but then oops, somebody gets sick or oops, Somebody, you know, unfortunately, there's a family family emergency, a death in the family, um, some other type of emergency. You know, these are things that take your situation that you had perfectly planned and can really, you know, cause problems. Man, I sound like my wife whenever. now I'm trying to – usually, like, she's (laughs) the one explaining this to me. I'm like, no, 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 it's fine. Two weeks away, what could possibly go wrong, (laughs) right? That's fun. I I have a
1: couple other thoughts about while you're on the ship. So I strongly encourage parents to – If your child is old enough to do it themselves, great. Otherwise, let them dictate to you. But keeping a journal um, is really valuable. Not only is it great for their writing skills, but it will help them remember what happened and the experiences that they had. And when they do that, then later, if you're trying to decide to do it again, and they're like, oh, I don't want to do all that makeup work again, you can pull that journal out and say, well, look at these experiences that we had and, and let's look at the full picture, not just how we remember it now, you know, a year later or two years later, but let's look at what we were thinking at the time. And one of the things that I love to do when people, I have to say when I'm on a cruise, my husband is constantly reminding me that I'm not that child's teacher. Like <laughs> I will teach any kid I see. I'll, be, like, I'll just randomly start teaching some. Um, but one of the things that I found very valuable is to encourage children to ask crew members about their own educational experiences. Like how, what's school like? Where you are from? And there are crew members from all over the world. And what I find is that our kids will come home with increased appreciation for the educational opportunities that they have. Because if they ask enough crew members, they'll hear people who school is not something that the government provides and that their family couldn't afford. Lots of crew members have had to drop out of school early or the schools don't have the things that our schools have. I often will have kids ask crew members about who was your favorite teacher or did you have to wear uniforms to school or did, is there a lot of technology in your school? And it is shocking what they will learn from that experience that can make it even, even keep their own education front of mind, but in a way that doesn't feel like work.
0: Hey, great points. I, I agree hundred percent. These are, that that's a great idea also of expanding not only their their own knowledge and, and experiences with other people, but of course, continuing that learning process.
1: Yes. So then you've gone on this great cruise and you've done everything right and you went for the right reasons and the child has been doing the work and now you're home. And I would say that there are two things that you need to do when you're home besides the makeup work. One is a small a small gift for the teacher, like a five or $10 Starbucks card and a thank you note turned in with the makeup work. Thank you so much for the extra time that this is taking that made this special family time for us possible. We really appreciate you. Doesn't have to be anything big, right? Doesn't have to be spa day. But if we can afford a cruise, we can afford five or $10 to share with a teacher our appreciation because I promise you that for every day a student is gone, you can estimate that that teacher is spending somewhere between 30 and 45 minutes extra time. In grading work separate from the rest of the class takes extra time, in going back and entering stuff in the gradebook book, in having to get copies made ahead of the time that they would normally have made those copies, maybe having to do planning before they were planning to even do the planning, all of that combines trying to figure out how to rearrange stuff to accommodate the absence. like it's something that we need to acknowledge. and a thank you note and a small gift will go a long way for that.
0: I love it. I think it's, I think it's a great tip. Um, it, there's there's it, by the way, that works in the that works in the workplace as well. Just have FYI for all the people who've got bosses out there just saying.
1: It does. It really does. And I would not recommend bringing them back a souvenir from your trip. That is just mean, <laughs> right? Do not. Yeah. And you don't need to offer to show them pictures of how you were at perfect day while they were not, right? Um, <laughs> and then the the last thing I would say about after the cruise is um, to do some reflection with your child about the experience, like. Was it worth it? Is this something that we should consider doing again? What were the pros and cons? If there is loads of complaining from a child about doing the makeup work, or if they were really resistant to doing work while you were on the ship, then it's important to have that discussion with a child and say, you know, one of the things that will go into deciding whether we can do this again is is how much pain you put us through in making that happen. And so that post-cruise reflection Just like Royal Caribbean is going to send you the survey, you need to kind of do your own survey with your kids. Like on a scale of one to 10, how worth it was this? Would it be good to do it again? Or should we try to just go during school holidays? Should we do seven night cruises? Or would it be better to only be gone a couple of days? Would that be easier or harder? Even fairly young children can have strong and important and cogent discussions around this.
0: I think that's a fabulous idea. I, and I got to say, Lisa, a lot of this, when we first started talking and we were talking about, you know, all of these things to consider, I got to admit, I was start my blood was starting to boil a little bit. I was like, oh man, I'm going to, Lisa's wrong. I'm just going to, I'm going to let her know in a second. And then, you know, the more we're talking about this, the more, the better I feel, quite frankly, about this idea that, again, I, I think what we're really trying to talk about here, we're trying to preach here is not, that nobody should ever take their kids out of school. It, that'd be ideal, perhaps, in some some respects. But really what we're talking about is make sure you're doing it for the right decisions and taking into account every possible factor you can. Plan it the same way that we plan on, you know, should I go on this ship or that ship, this itinerary or that itinerary, spend extra money on that room or this room, right? Those kind of same discussions are the things that are important to have because otherwise, yeah, it might make it simpler. As, Yay, we're booked the cruise, but are you setting yourself up and your kids up for problems down the line.
1: That's a great point. One of the things that you pointed out was when you just mentioned that like, oh, we could save this much money if we do it now. And I think one of the things, if you're dealing with issues related to the child being out of school, that you can think to yourself, okay, if somebody offered me a hundred dollars to deal with this right now, would I take it? Hmm. Right. And then we can use that to reflect later. Like, remember it wasn't worth it to me, but it might be. And some kids Might thrive and you might have great experiences. You're more likely to have them if you do that. You're more likely to have a great experience if you're thoughtful in advance. I think that one of the other things we have to consider is that there's some room here for Royal Caribbean. And if anybody from Royal Caribbean were listening, one of the things I think they should consider adding to Adventure Ocean is like a schoolroom where there's a certain time of day where Kids can be in there working, and maybe they have it set up with laptops with that they that kids can use to research stuff. Because a lot of our kids' work is being shared through platforms like Google Classroom or Canvas, and so places that they can access it where other kids might be working as well. So I think cruise lines have some opportunity here as well.
0: I think it's a great point. I think it's a it's it's a really. Uh, I could just, I'm just imagining like as a parent, like, yeah, that sounds like a great idea. My kid's like, what are you talking about? <laughs> but it's, but your point, learning doesn't have to be, you know, straight algebra, uh, with the, with the most, you know, with, with the guy from Ferris Bueller type voice, um, <laughs> dictating it to you. It, it, it doesn't have to be that way. And my kids actually enjoy doing, um, gosh, I forgot, it's, I forgot the name of the one that they use, but they actually do enjoy the, the math learning games, you know, that are associated <laughs> with that. And Hey, that's. There's some educational value there as opposed to Gaga ball, which I assure you has zero educational value, but it's still fun. Um, So if there was at least that option, I love that idea.
1: I think it could benefit everyone and it would solve a lot of issues. I think it would also make Royal Caribbean some money because more parents would be willing to go if that were an option. I think they would. I mean, if you knew that your child would have a few hours a day that they could go in and do the schoolwork and you weren't going to have to have big fights about it every night or when you came back, it would be an easier decision to make.
0: I have, um, I have one question for you that I wanted to get your thoughts on. You talked a little bit about this in the beginning, Lisa, about like, you know, some good times of the year to take kids out of school. Um, the one that I always have a big fight with my wife about, uh, especially is the last two weeks of the year. And I'll expand that maybe to like the, the a couple day the Let's say, three days, plus or minus three days before any break, uh, be it spring break, be it winter break. Um, And and I bring up those times a year because I roll my eyes when my kid comes home and tells me that they watched movies uh, inevitably during, especially the last two weeks of the year. It always seems like a complete waste of time. Again, my kids are in elementary school, not in high school. They're not dealing with finals. Um, But I wanted to get your thoughts on those times of year and 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 kind of, you know, if that, how that fits into, again, maybe more of those better times to take advantage of.
1: So there are two separate issues here, the very end of the year and right before holidays. So right before holidays, you're you may have the final exam issue for middle schoolers and high schoolers before Christmas. Some school districts end their semester at Christmas. If so, then the right before Christmas vacation would be a no-go because you don't want them missing finals. Right. Um, for other vacations, like the time right before spring break, that is um, like, if you're just looking at a day or two, that's going to be fine because the Friday before spring break is like a full moon in a school of werewolves. So <laughs> it is horrible. And um, it, it is a nightmare anyway. So missing that day, no big deal. So probably the Thursday and Friday before spring break. The difficulty, depending on when your spring break is, is that your student, even in an elementary school from like third grade on, may have really high stakes standardized testing that's going to happen after spring break. And if that's the case, there may be intense instruction going on right then that they really need. So... It's unfortunately the answer. To this is going to vary um, about where, where, and when is exactly appropriate. One of the things that you should do is most school districts release their calendar really early. Like next year's cal- well next year's calendars are going to be a little bit different animal because of COVID, right? Um, right. However, even with that, most districts have released their calendars for next year. And so you can see when the breaks are going to be, but you can also see when the standardized testing is going to be. And I'm not someone, like some people may be like, oh, testing, it's like the tail wagging the dog and I hate the testing and I want to pull my kid out for the testing. But the problem is, is that um, however you feel about it, it is important and it's used in a lot of different ways that are important. And so I think, it's an argument for another day. I would not recommend that people take kids out during testing or right before it. Now, the very end of the year, Oh, you are singing my song. It is so frustrating to me to walk into classrooms, like as an assistant principal to walk into classrooms and they're just all lying on the floor watching movies. I mean, uh, they can do that at home. They can do that anywhere. We're still, we learn until the last bell. So that's really frustrating. The difficulty is if you ask a teacher like hey, are you just going to blow off the last two weeks of school and do nothing but show movies and have parties? They're never going to tell you yes even though even though they've already got Disney TV queued up, right? They're not going right. to tell you. So what you have to do is look at like you have a your older daughter look at like in your, I'm using you as an example, but like you look at your older daughter and you know, like what they did when she was in this grade. And then when your younger daughter is that same grade think okay, I remember that they did this. And then you can say it as a confirmation, like my remembrance from when so-and-so was in class was that the last week was just a lot of parties and like award ceremonies and stuff. Is that still kind of how it goes? And rather than saying, I assume that you're just wasting time the last week of school, right? And <laughs> um, The other thing to keep in mind, though, is that sometimes even though, even though what's going on in the class seems to us like not necessarily the best use of instructional time, there's a lot of social and emotional stuff going on. A lot of times this is the chance that teachers have, to form like the last memories that the kids will have as a class. It's when their kids, as they get older, especially maybe signing yearbooks or having class parties. They may be, um, the teachers often have special kind of end of year reflection and engagement. And so even though to us, it may seem like, well, they're not taking grades on anything and they're not, you know, it's nothing that's gonna show up on a test that doesn't mean it doesn't have value to the child. One of the things that's really been distressing to a lot of my fellow educators this year has been that the school year ended and none of them got to say a real goodbye to their kids. A lot of them went on spring break and then never got to come back. And the teachers found it distressing and I know students found it distressing as well. And so in school, it isn't just about the quote-unquote book learning that's important. So even though it may look like a waste of time to see twenty-five kids sprawl down on the floor watching a movie, we have to understand that there is a social and emotional bonding component to even those kinds of activities.
0: I think it's a great point, and, and my kid was one of those that went on spring break and never came back. Basically, even though they had the online component too, if you want to call it that, um, you know, it 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 wasn't the same thing, and I. And you know what, look, as the dad and as a parent, I'm like, okay, whatever, you know, you'll get over a kid, you'll see them next year, or, you know, you won't remember, you won't, <laughs> trust me, when they get to my age, you won't care about it anymore, but at their age, it does matter, and it is important to them, and kids move away, and, you know, blah, 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 we, I, I I think the point is well taken that there is some value there, uh, you know, it just it just goes back to, hey, that that cruise, the week before cruise, uh, school ends is like, you know, $500 cheaper versus... You know, of course, your, your kids being able to say goodbye, looking forward to those, probably those events, a lot of um, the uh, what's it called, the field trips and uh, some of the events that are at the end of the year really do coincide with that. So it is important to kind of take a, a, a big picture in it and not just look at we could save a little bit of money by going at the end of the year. It's funny I'm saying all of this because I really thought I wouldn't be that guy who would be saying that at the end of this, at the beginning of this episode. But it's I think it, it is fair points. Uh, I think I agree with most of what you said there, Lisa. I think that. For me, uh, and kind of looking at wrapping this up here, for me, I'm looking at it as know your child, know your grade. There is a big difference between the grades. And as the higher up in the system you get, especially like you said, you know, third through fifth, that's like one segment, middle school, big segment. And then high school, you know, ring the bells and um, send Paul Revere out because that's, you know, a big, big, big warning right there. There's a lot that happens. And, um, you know, the thing for me is I think a lot of, when we take time off, I look at it, I, I, I think rarely, if ever we've taken the kids out for like a week, that would be like, uh, I I can't even imagine actually broaching that topic to my wife with a, with a straight face on my, you know, saying that I think really what we're looking at in in a lot of cases is a couple, a couple days at the most, you know, probably one to two, maybe three days, you know, augmenting a vacation or a long weekend, something like that. But um, you know again, it's, it goes back to something we talked about earlier, which is you know the the idea of you know how many days can you have off um, what's going on during that time of year? that's important as well. And of course you know it comes down to like you said, there, it, it's the, the when the vacation ends that doesn't mean you snap your fingers and you go right back to the way it was before. There is a lot of lag there is that there is that post cruise vac- uh, depression that, that occurs. so, yeah, there's there's a lot of considerations involved. And and I don't and I don't think Lisa, even you would sit here and say that there should be a blanket rule for everybody. It is a matter of making sure you're doing your due diligence to make sure you're making the right decision.
1: Absolutely. It's about knowing your child, knowing your family dynamic, and knowing the educational system that your child is operating in. I would never say that there is one Way that is always right for everyone, that's absolutely not the case. And even some of the things that I mentioned, like for some schools, like where I live, I live in Texas, and it's very common for a lot of our students, even though we start school, they don't necessarily come back. So for me, the first week of school, even though that sounds like a terrible week to be gone, if a parent were going to ask me, What week of school would be the best for my kid to skip? I would say that one because we have so many kids coming in, registering. We have fruit basket turnover almost every class period with new kids coming in and leaving and we're rebalancing and moving kids from one class to another. And so you have to know what's going on in the environment in which you're operating. And you have to know about your child's own emotional ecosystem and what works for them. And you consider that, okay, this cruise is a great deal, but maybe what we need is grandma and grandpa to come stay with the kids and we go because it's not a good fit for our children to go, even though it's a good fit for us. Or maybe we say, when we are coming back, we're taking a cruise during vacation, but my child really needs a couple of days to decompress. So even though we're home, I'm going to keep him or her home for a day or two while they get back into the routines of the home and family before we add on a layer of school. So you may not have needed to take the child out for the cruise itself, but you may need to take a child out for a couple of days while they get back into the groove of life.
0: Lisa, I want to thank you so much for joining us here and sharing this information. This is really, really good stuff. And, and I think it's a good conversation. It's not, we're not preaching anything. We're just simply trying to, you know, show people, that you need to, it's not a snap decision to take your kids out of school.
1: Agreed. And it works for adults too. You mentioned it as well. All of these are things to consider whenever we're going to do a similar thing in our own work, or if we're a teacher, to consider how can we be flexible and what are some of the things that we could ask a student to do while they're on a cruise that we may be able to substitute.
0: All right, friends, time to answer some listener emails. And, of course, if you want to send me your emails, you can always send them to uh, Matt at blog.com Matt, M-A-T-T, at blog.com You heard Lisa talk about it. She heard uh, one of the emails from this episode—or not this episode, but a past episode—and then said, Oh, man, I want to talk about it. So you never know if your uh, comment, question, what have you— could end up being impetus for uh, an awesome episode. So uh, we'll kick off today's listener emails with an email from James Gregg from Kansas City. Hey Matt, thanks for keeping up the positivity in the midst of this dark, dark time for cruising. We just had our cruise canceled for September. I wanted to write to suggest a tip for bringing wine on board. On my last cruise with my wife and two kids, we had two connecting staterooms. We bought, we brought four bottles of wine on board, two per cabin. We had a lot of, we had a lot to lug with two small kids, so I didn't want to have the wine in my carry-on bag. I used an old wine 12-pack box, packaged the bottles really well, and checked them in our on our flight and at the cruise terminal. They made it to our serum just fine, so you may not need to keep them in your carry-on bag. After all, can't wait to follow along with your next live blog someday. James, thanks for the email. So it's interesting you, you mentioned this because this is a situation where the rules say one thing and always you experience something else. The rules say for, your, for wine, it needs to be in your new carry-on bags. I, number one reason why, besides the fact it could break, is I think more importantly the x-ray machines that your luggage goes through, rail Caribbean can't Determine what it's there. It's not 3D. It's not color. It's just an x-ray machine All they're gonna see are bottles and inevitably they're gonna assume well, we don't know what it is So uh, and they can't open it up without guest permission So uh, they may assume that there's alcohol in there, which of course is banned, uh, you know, like liquor or beer or what have you. Anyway, what'll end up happening is your luggage will not be delivered. It'll be held back down in security. You won't get your luggage on time. You're gonna have to go downstairs and get it. I don't recommend this. I think maybe because you use a wine box, they just took your word for it. I don't know. Uh, It's a a fair point. I'm just gonna tell you from a best practices standpoint, James, what you, what people should do if you're bringing wine is keep it in your care. And number one, that's what the rules say to do. Number two, you'll avoid the situation of your luggage getting detained. And of course, to James's point earlier, you might, you know, you don't want it to break. Obviously, that that's a big part of it. You know, those somebody throws it from one area to another. You know how luggage gets tossed around, right? It, it's inevitable. So um, I understand it. it is a pain to lug around. It, there's no doubt about it. Even bring two bottles of wine in a backpack full of other stuff. Yeah. uh, My best advice for it is you just simply put the bag down as much as you can. Um, If you get up to the, a great thing to do on the first day before your rooms are ready is to, you know, grab a spot by the pool deck, hang out over there, have somebody, at least one person sitting with all of your luggage and, you know, kind of just hang out there. Another option of course, you know, is the key, the key you can bring your, your, they'll store your luggage for you. That would include your wine. Granted, I think you're still overpaying for that that option because that only benefits you for like, you know, three or four hours a day uh, on the first day and the rest of the cruise, you know, you paid for the key. But I digress. Uh, If you're just looking for simple ways to get around that, that might be something else to to keep in mind there. So James, thanks for the email. Appreciate that. Next up, we have an email from uh, Liz Kane. How can I forget? We have, guys, the conclusion, I think of the incomplete unscientific story of the Royal Green Blog Podcast, part three. So make sure you listen to the first, the two episodes before this to hear this. So here it is from Liz from Minneapolis. Well, Matt, it's time for the last email in this series. And we're going to end this with the with the beginning that is firsts. In this third and final installment of the incomplete unscientific story of the Royal Green Blog Podcast, let's take a look at some of the interesting firsts. Your first guest on the show was an agent from MBI Travel, but it wasn't Annette. Annette. I think that was Becky. Uh, Annette's first guest debut was sharing the woman's perspective of cruising. Your first group cruise preview episode wasn't with Annette or anyone. either You did that episode alone. Michael Poole first showed up as a guest on episode 13 and has been the most regular guest on the podcast. Again, this is unscientific. While there have been many listeners who write you, in those early days, Christopher Percy stood out to me. Billy Hirsch's first time on the podcast was a listener writing in long before he was a guest on the air. You did the first three wishes New Year's Eve episode with Billy for the winter of uh, 2017 to 2018 New Year. The first time we heard the original story of the mispronouncing of the Windjamere and you forever changing how we say this. And your first ever experience at Sabor, and someday, sadly, I think it'll be your last. Your first ever live broadcast was for your one year anniversary. I've heard it now, too. Are there more? Again, I have 80 episodes to go. So this is the incomplete version of this story, both because I have episodes left and because you can't summarize seven years of podcasts in an email or even three emails for that matter. Thanks for all your years of advice and storytelling. Thanks for finding a new way to engage us while we aren't traveling. I look forward to the days of sailing again soon and we'll continue to come back to this podcast for advice when I do. Liz, I really appreciate you taking your, your time, a lot of time, actually, to compile this. I enjoyed this. I don't care if anyone else didn't enjoy it. I enjoyed it. I thought it was fun. I There were some things I was not aware of, and the fact that you took a lot of time to come up with this, I appreciate that. So thank you, Liz, for everything you did. I, I'm, it's always nice to have a little bit of a, a retrospective, you know, to be able to look back on all of this. So guys, thanks so much for uh, checking out the Royal Screaming Blog podcast. So until next time, I'm Matt Hotchberg, and we'll talk again soon.